Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today on the show, my guest is Carrie Kirpin. Carrie has a long list of accomplishments. She is the CEO of the digital marketing company, Likeable Media. She's a columnist for Forbes and Inc. Magazine. She's been featured in the New York Times, ABC, World News Tonight, Fox News, CNBC. And in addition to all of that, she's just released a new book called Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. Carrie, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Ellen. I'm excited to be here. I'm super excited, and I, I have so many questions for you, but first of all, how did you, I mean, you're an author, you're a CEO, you're a podcaster, you give keynote speeches, you're a mom. How did you get started with this incredible journey you're on? I think it really just all sort of happened organically. I, I love to tell you that I have this aggressive plan of what I want to do, and I'm very goal-oriented and all these things, but I think really what I did was just sort of allow myself to go with the flow and be open to the opportunities that were presented to me. Um, It started when I married my husband and he wanted a very large wedding. And I had had a wedding before and had an epic failure of a marriage. And so I, you know, it was very short lived. And I was like, how are we going to, who's going to pay for this wedding? How are we going to do such a big public wedding? I don't know. That was like his thing. And so we decided to get married on a baseball field in front of 8,000 people in a sponsored wedding event that raised over $25,000 for charity and got a ton of media, which opened up my life into starting a business, which opened up the business into a podcast, which opened up the podcast into a book. So I've just sort of flown from um, really being solution oriented and allowing myself to go with the flow. Wow. When you were, you know, back a young blushing bride having <sighs> that wedding on the, the baseball field, were you, were, were you prepared for what was about to come and happen in your life? Or, or... No, I had no idea. And I, when I ran it, opened up a business, I never had any idea. You know, I'd never done anything like that before. And so I always believe in learn by doing and losing the fear that you can't do something just because you haven't done it before. I think that the fact that you haven't done it before makes you actually a great person to try something because who better than you? Yeah, absolutely. And stories like yours are so fascinating to me. You know, you and other uber successful women, um, you know, to see you in action, I'm sure is quite incredible because (laughs) I'm sure you have a million things going on all the time. What what would you say uh, your secret is for just managing the time and everything? Do you have, you, you know, in Harry Potter, Hermione had the time turner. Do you have a time yes, turner? Yes, totally. I wish I had a time turner. Now, <laughs> um, yeah, just really good monitoring of the calendar and being able to say no to things that are non-essential. I think anytime we succeed, uh, any t- it takes a lot to succeed. And one of the things that it takes is ruthless prioritization is really being able to say no to things that uh, you don't have time for. And when you do that, you make room for all the things you want to have time for. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody um, in a business group that I'm in, and they were saying that it helped them to track their 168 hours closely to see where they really were spending their time. And it helped them prioritize yep. you know, what they were really doing. 
Because yeah. even those of us who think we're efficient, not always so much. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're better at efficiencies than um, most of the rest of us. But Well, I think looking back at your calendar is an excellent journal of your time. So I keep a, yeah. I really try and keep my calendar as accurate as possible so that I know what I'm spending my time on and where. Do you have rules for yourself? Like you have kids, so do you um, make a point to schedule a special time with them or do you just drop work at the door when you get home or how do you handle that? I have all kinds of rules. Yeah, we don't do phones after 5 o'clock when we get home and we pick it up after the kids go to bed. Um, I do special days with, with each of my three kids on our own, so we have our own time together. Um, each one of them. And I have lots of, lots of little things that we do that help make time better spent. Yeah, that's, that's so important. And in your book, I thought it was really interesting. You talked about how women actually physically have less time than men because we do, most of us spend time doing our hair and doing our makeup and, you know, like it or not, when we have children, there is some time in there where we're not most of us are not working or, you know, like there is that there, it is different. Oh, you bet. And not only that, it's just the, the amount of time we have to spend prepping to get ready to look presentable. You know, a guy can come out, uh, wearing a black turtleneck and jeans and be seen as, you know, really cool, wear the same thing every day. Women, you know, have a, a level of self care that they need to do in order to maintain being presentable in the workplace. That is, you know, takes 10 times more time. Yeah, I thought you had a really interesting take on that. And I hadn't heard it exactly in the way that you presented it before. So it kind of gave me pause. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) no wonder. This this explains a lot. But, you know, we've just got to figure out ways ways to work around it. Or we can just all wear our hair really frizzy and not care anymore. (laughs) That's another dream I have one day. Oh, my gosh. Doesn't it sound lovely? (laughs) That would work. Yeah, absolutely. So one of your um, areas of expertise is obviously is digital media and social media. And I want to ask you about that because these days, in addition to all the other multitudes of things that we have to juggle, um, it's almost like we have to manage two lives. One is our in-person real life life. And the other one is our online persona. And if we leverage that online persona well, it can really help us um, ignite our businesses, really grow our businesses. But some people, even business owners that I come across, it's, it always surprises me when it happens, but it happens more frequently than you might think, is sometimes I come across business owners that are still resisting social media altogether. They just don't like it. They don't want to do it. They don't want to know about it. And it seems like they're missing out on a big opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think when there's a general discomfort with something, it makes it much harder. And especially when you're really averse to social media and averse to not only about that, there's two elements to this, right? Like there's being averse to social media and then there is being averse uh, to talking about yourself, right? So we as women have a whole other level because we don't feel comfortable talking about ourselves on social media because we think we're bragging. And then there's also the whole thing where if you don't like social media, how are you supposed to know what to do with it? And so what I feel is if you are not passionate about social media, you should talk to some people who are and see if you can get inspired. If you're at a company, maybe there's somebody in your office who really finds it very interesting and exciting and tap into their energy and their passion, because I think that that's that's something that really propels us forward. 
and and then we, I mean, thank you for that. But it, like we as as business owners, we, those of us who are on social media, we almost have to think of ourselves as a brand. You know, we almost have to really be very conscientious of how what we're posting and how we're posting it everywhere because obviously nothing ever goes away that you put up on social media. So it's interesting you brought up bragging because, you know, like there is this like line where we, we want and need to look successful, appear successful. And yet I guess a lot of us have this self-imposed stigma around bragging. Like how, how do you form the perfect balance of, um, you know, that personality in social media? So I think in general, for a long time, uh, women have focused on competence over confidence. So we look at how we can be the best that we can, that we can be in our businesses, how we can be the best that we can be in our roles. And yet men get ahead all the time. Consistently, consistently we see they're making more, they're rising to the top more, they're getting to the C-suite, et cetera. And that's because they focus as much on confidence as competence. They've figured out how they can talk about their accomplishments in a way that helps them get ahead. And yet, because we are so focused on competence, the data shows, we do not speak with comfort about our own accomplishments. So the first step is to be able to get comfortable talking about what your accomplishments are. In fact, if I said to you, you know, list three really great things that you've done in business this week, this month, you know, whatever it is, and now figure out a way to talk about them in social that doesn't make you uncomfortable, you probably could do it, but it's not going to be a one, two, three easy thing for most women. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's interesting. But yeah. but if you said, tell me about ways you helped people this week, it would be a hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then I said to you, tell the success stories of those women on social. You could do that any day. Easily, easily. Yeah. Talk about your clients. Easy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's okay. It's a good way to learn how to talk about yourself. That's actually what I did when I started my podcast, which was all the social ladies, I was really uncomfortable talking about myself on social media all day because I saw a lot of the agency founders who were all loud, extroverted, and male talking about themselves all day on social media and talking about how they were thought leaders. And it made me really uncomfortable because that was not how I wanted to portray myself and not really what I wanted to do all day. And so what I decided to do was start a podcast around women in social media. I interviewed different women at the brand level and it helped me learn how to network, and it also helped me be able to tell their stories and ultimately get comfortable telling my own. Yeah, and I love your podcast. I've listened to several episodes oh, of it. Oh, good. And yeah, you're cool, Carrie Kerfin. Oh, you are. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> You've just got so much insight into everything. So I, I just, I just want to hang out with you. But, um, <laughs> but for now, let's just uh, stick to some more of these questions. And I am so just sticking on this social media persona for a little bit longer. Um, there's something about what we're just talking about with, and I think it's deeper than social media. It's about like what women are willing to own and say that they deserve and be comfortable with. Like, how can we compete with men and still come off? Like, do, do we have to worry about appearing nice? Or um, do we have to worry about appearing nice? I don't think you need to act like a man to succeed um, and lose all of your femininity. 
Um, but I do think that it is important that we care a lot less about what other people think of about us and care a lot more about how we're helping other people um, and just doing right in the world. And I think ultimately that helps. I think we spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think about us versus spending that time thinking about what we can do uh, to kind of portray the type of person that we want to be. Yeah, interesting. And then when you are putting out this um, image on social media, do you need expensive marketing and expensive graphics, or is it about building this, this intentional brand but doing so with some authenticity? First of all, I think that social media really levels the playing field. Uh, large businesses really have no greater advantage than small businesses except in their ad dollars. So there are a lot of tools that make things look really professional. A great example, for instance, is Canva. Canva is a freemium tool, so it's free to try and then you know a low amount to actually use. And it allows you to be like a professional Instagram photographer. I mean, you're taking things that are in the right size, give you the right fonts, the right templates, and allows you to do really cool stuff. So yes, it's important to be authentic and have your own voice, but it's also... Uh, everybody has the ability to look really good and have stuff now because these tools are kind of the great equalizer. And so utilizing some of these tools helps you be even better on social media and you can still be your authentic self, but also tap into some real professional looking stuff. Yeah, it's so important. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned leveling the playing field because I wanted to ask you about building a platform. And just as you said, it's no longer reserved just for the big brands that they can have a large platform um, you yourself have built one for your own yeah. podcast and, and materials that's very large. Um, what What are some of the tips that you found um, helpful in growing that audience? Really putting yourself out there and be providing a lot of content that can be of value to people. Looking at really how you can share content that is valuable from the podcast. So lots of teasers across social media with quotes and interesting things that would help make it interesting, wanting you to hear the whole thing. The other thing is tapping into the guests' promotional networks too, giving them a lot of materials to share and making it easy for them to share helps to really build community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's great. And then I, w I mentioned this network of yours in particular because that's one of the things you were able to leverage um, to get to talk to some of the awesome women that you interviewed for your book. So when you wrote your book, you interviewed um, 50 women, some of them extremely high profile, some of them less high profile, but still genius, brilliant women. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it would, I thought that was a great approach. And I wondered if you could give us an example or two of how you worked your network, how you worked it, yeah. to um, get to somebody who you really wanted to talk to that you thought was kind of a stretch at the beginning. I mean, basically the way I got in touch with a lot of these women was to go through people who I knew or to simply ask, um, you know, be unafraid to ask. I had connected with Meredith Vieira many years ago on a plane and I reconnected with her through a friend. I had, you know, her, the contact info I had was outdated. She, of course, remembered me, wrote a blurb for the book. Sheryl Sandberg, I had connected with on a failed attempt to meet her. And um, I sent her an email about that experience and said, I'd love to have her be in the book. She agreed. Um, and then most of it was through people I know, you know, successful people who I interview 
know other successful people who might be interested. And so that was a really cool experience getting to email a lot of people. But I'll tell you that the stories that I found the most interesting were not always from the most successful people. Like I loved all the stories from Barbara Corcoran and Charles Sandberg and Rashma Sajani and a lot of these very successful people. But I also loved stories from people who were midway in their careers, who were just talking about how they got their last promotion or how they negotiated for their next raise or, you know, really some good basic stuff. Yeah. Was there anything particularly surprising that you discovered when you were writing your book? I think there was a lot that was surprising. One of the things that really surprised me the most was how all of these women achieved a level of success by doing completely different things. That's what I love about the book is that there's no one secret to success for women in business. It's lots of people have to take different paths to get there and you have to do what feels authentic to you. So I was surprised by the diversity of story. And how many aha moments would you say you had when you're writing? Oh my God, every story had an aha moment. They were all fabulous. They were all fabulous. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Did you come to any, um, or maybe you, you had come to a conclusion before you even wrote the book, but, um, you know, we talked about some of the the challenges of women that women face competing with men in in the professional world, but are there some innate advantages to um, being a woman professionally in, in, in today's society? Oh, I think there are a lot of advantages. I just wrote about this about um, one of the biggest advantages I think is that we're consistently underestimated. So you can use that underestimation and you can kind of fly under the radar Uh, and then really surprise everyone. Nobody was looking at my podcast as a way that likable media would double and eventually triple their business size. You fly sort of under the radar and can really advance quite well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good point. And um, I want to ask you a question. um, Next week, I'm going to be speaking at a local university in their entrepreneurial class. And I've been just kind of talking to some of my business friends and asking them, what is the piece of advice you wish you would have had when you were starting out in your business? What do you think those kids need to hear? Such a good question because I have so many pieces of advice. Okay. So kids that are just taking Oh, give us, give us all of them. <laughs> I mean, I think that don't be afraid to take a risk when you're young is definitely, I mean, what do they have to lose at this point? Yeah. If they're just, you know, it's way before, Usually you're in a position where you're kind of tied down and have to make a lot of tougher decisions based off of necessity. I mean, this is the time. Um, And then the other thing I would say is never, ever, ever underestimate the power of networking. And don't forget about the power of an informational interview. People are almost always willing to take a cup of coffee if they can make it work for them. And if you show the value that you have for that person, they're even more likely to do it. And just also never underestimate the value that you can add to someone's life. You know, instead of thinking about just what other people can do for you, think about what you can do for other people, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've heard um, people talk about sales and, and they, they advise, you know, don't sell to somebody, but sell through somebody. See how you can help them, see how they can help you. You know, it's all about just networking, like working it, right? Like your book. Exactly. Exactly. Networking is key and really Um, networking in your own way. You know, many people have discomfort with networking events. Okay. So figure out a different way that you might network. Um, Lots and lots of different ways to network and tapping into them. And there's a ton of those stories in the book. Yeah. What, what do you think is, you know, looking forward to the future, what do you think is on the horizon in, 
I guess, in business or um, those of us who are entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, what do you think we need to be aware of as the next big thing? Um, for entrepreneurs, not in social media or in general? I guess I'm talking about um, social media, um, digital marketing, you know, um, getting out there, get, connecting with your customers. Is there something on the horizon that you've seen the beginnings of? Yeah, I think we should be all be looking really carefully at um, voice and the power of voice technology. I uh-huh. think we should be looking at the power of augmented reality and a lot of these things that are happening. And most important, I really think we should be looking at the trends of what's happening with networks. Um, a lot of us have put a lot of time and energy into Facebook. A lot of us put a lot of time and energy um, into Instagram and this stuff. And I think the time is ripe for a new network to come through, especially given some of the questions around Facebook's data challenges, not only around like the Cambridge Analytica stuff, but also around their reporting of metrics. And it's, the time is ripe for something new to come out. So keep your ears out, see what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see it swinging back? I, I guess digital. Yeah. Face-to-face is key. That's always yeah, been. Yeah, right. That's always been key. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And what do you, so you've got kids, you've got three kids, and are they three daughters? Two daughters, one son. Two daughters, one son. So especially for the girls coming up, because we're talking a lot about, girl power and, and uh, female, females in the workplace in this conversation. Um, what's the future like for them? I think the future is bright for them. I think this is a time of reckoning with the Me Too movement. I think this is a time where change is actually going to happen. I think nobody was really talking about this stuff. And now, uh, you know, it was in small circles. It wasn't normalized for it to be so widespread. Now gender equality is not a hot button issue anymore. It's a must have issue. Um, and so I think that with, with all of this stuff that's coming out, I think the women of the future are well positioned to have equality, and I'm quite hopeful that they will. Mm-hmm. No, I feel the same way. And I don't know where you stand on the, um, you know, we just had the, the Parkland um, event, and, and I was at some of the protests with my daughter, um, and I just, I feel so hopeful for the future looking yep. at these kids doing all that they're doing you know yep um, my daughter organized a concert in um, Port Washington our town where we lived uh, live called Port for Parkland and she raised $34,000 uh, having 17 acts performed she sold out this theater she wow. did this big big program that was all over the place and I just looked at her and I was like you see this is where these kids are the future it's not even about her as my daughter but just in general, we went to the we went together to the uh, March for Our Lives and all of that stuff, and it was really, it's really really inspiring. Oh, that's really cool. Well, that's kind of like what you said with the playing field being leveled. Yep. Those kids, they feel that they can kind of they don't have a lot of inhibitions. You know, they can reach out to a CEO or a celebrity or kind of anybody these days. Yep. Yeah, yeah I that, think so. I think gives you gives you access and the ability to make change. Yeah. And that's harder. It's harder to keep people quiet. It's harder to keep people quiet. I love that. Yeah, absolutely true. But then by the same token, do you, is there too much content? Yeah, of course there's tons of content, but the trick is what content will cut through the clutter. I mean, there's a, I forgot who said this. One of the, 
the a major major company head or maybe it was Elon Musk said uh, every in in a few years everything will be content like content will be broadcast on walls and everywhere you go it'll be content. So yeah, the content market's going to get more and more saturated, but that's that gives you the opportunity to really cut through the clutter with great content. So for somebody that's just starting out that doesn't have yep. much of an audience and is just creating content, I have a, a friend, a, a brilliant guy, who um, he creates a lot of content. He doesn't have a huge audience, but he believes in his content, and he just keeps creating it and creating it. So do you, do you kind of subscribe to the thought that build it and they will come? Like just keep putting it out there and your audience will find you? Or? Um, yes and no. I believe that anything that's built across the internet is generally built with some form of hard work. You know, nothing is really truly viral and not only it does it, it, it take work to go viral, but it's really not even that important. I think reaching the right 50 people is more important than um, just 5,000 random people. And so the way that that's done is through knowing who you want to connect with, connecting with them one-on-one. I really believe that most of social marketing is one-to-one. Um, and so I would start with looking at who you want to know and how you can connect with them and start creating content and using it as a tool to send to them to help show what your point of view is. Hmm, great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. So, um, Carrie Kirpin, what's next for you? Do you have another book on the horizon? Oh, we'll have to see. Not yet. Right now I'm launching a Facebook watch show uh, based on Work It and looking at a few uh, new video type productions that I'm looking at and I'm excited about that and then potentially next book in 19 2019 oh super that sounds very exciting so do you have any one last thought or negative wisdom you'd like to leave us with worry is a misuse of the imagination just go for it (laughs) I love it that's a good one thank you so much Carrie um how can people find you and get in touch with you? Just any social media channel at Carrie Kirpin. And you can go to CarrieKirpin.com. Or if you want to check out Likeable, you can go to Likeable.com. Beautiful. I will post all of your many links Yay. on my website. And Wonderful. I want to thank you again for being on the show today. It was fabulous. I know you're super busy. but it Thanks, was, Ellen. Uh, I'm happy to be there for you. Happy to. Yes, very generous of you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you all for listening to the show. My guest was Carrie Kirpin. She's the author of Work It! Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. You can find this interview, links to Carrie's website, social media pages, and her book on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thanks again, and join us again next Friday when we release another episode about turning your daydream into a phenomenal success. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.